something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studio Home of the premier radio bowling talk show PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson was instrumental in developing the PBA Lane Maintenance Program in 1971, which is still referred to today. He was a founding member of the Bowling Foundation, which was created to finding solutions to scoring issues in bowling. He was also a recipient of the Bowling Industry's Flowers for the Living Award and the John Davis Award in recognition for his contributions to this great sport. And with over 1,200 shows spanning 21 years, this may be the longest-running podcast in human history. So, Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. For all of your lane maintenance needs, including 24-hour technical support, you can always rely on the Kaggle Company. So go to kaggle.net. Well, Phantom fans, this week we have yet another very special guest to talk to as we continue to interview who's who in the world of bowling in each and every area of our great sport. And our guest was with us last month, and we promised to have him back because, as usual, we ran out of time. But that's one thing great about this show. We can go on and on and on, show after show after show. But we only get a limited amount of time to do each one. But anyway, I met this fellow many, many years ago when he provided a made-for-TV bowling show. And like me, he goes way back to the golden years of bowling. And this has many great sports does he have in his, in his repertoire. But for those of you that follow our show, our listeners love to hear stories about the pros and the tour. So our guest is currently on the mend, and I'm going to be asking him about that. But let's get him out here. I could talk for hours about his introduction, but I don't want to waste any time. So here's our guest again, Mr. Bob Geismar. Hi, Bob, and welcome back to the show. Lenny, thanks so much for having me. I love doing this with you because bowling is uh, a fabric of both of our lives, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, somebody said it one day. I think it was Larry Lickstein. He said that uh, guys like us are lifers, you know, and, and that just means we spend our whole life in the game. And we're never going to get away from it. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show, Pards. Thanks. I am on the mend. I, a week ago, I had uh, my right hip, total hip replacement. And uh, I had, for various and sundry reasons, Lenny had to wait for a year to have it done. And uh, struggling a little, to be honest. I'm in some pain. They've got me on some pain meds, which is unusual for me. I generally don't need them, but uh, 
I am doing everything the physical therapist tells me to do, and I will be uh, 100% at some point in time. I'm not rushing it. You can't, you know, I'm not building a room in a day, you know, <laughs> but uh, I am getting better, and I sure appreciate you uh, giving me that opportunity to tell you that. Well, you know, you're a real trooper because, you know, we, we had scheduled this way before the surgery was scheduled. And then I thought, oh, my God, he's he's injured. He can't be on. So I was hunting around for somebody to replace you. And you contacted me and said, come on, the show's got to go on. I'm okay. <laughs> you don't take me out because I have a sore thumb. I'm in there, Farge. He says, so let's go. Let's do it. So, all right. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're too much. So today, today, what I wanted to do is is kind of dedicate this episode to Dick Weber, who is probably bowling's greatest ambassador. But I want to get into my knowing Dick and and what made him Lenny so great in my estimation. So my first introduction to Dick Weber in 1966. I'm a 13-year-old, and the Bowler's Journal had a tournament every year in conjunction with the American Bowling Congress tournament, which was in my hometown that year of Rochester, New York. And they unbelievably took over my bowling center, Brighton Bowl, three minutes from my house. <laughs> and, and so, a, a quick aside, it's the first job I ever had in my life. They let me keep score at the Bowler's Journal, which was double singles and, and uh, team competition, Lenny. And you could play as many as you wanted. You just had to plunk down the, the entry fee. And I was officially the youngest scorekeeper, they said, maybe in the history of the Bowler's Journal tournament because they knew I knew how to keep score. But that's for another time. So now, so now we're in the concourse with my mom and dad one night watching the, the, the greatest bowlers of all time. I'm seeing Bob Strampy, Dick Hoover, Ray Bluth, Joe Joseph, and, and I, this is the kid in the candy store. You get the picture. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the concourse, Dick Weber. And I, I'm scared to death. I, I, I can't. I can't breathe. You know, this is the greatest bowler of all time. And I can't breathe. And my brother's with, with me, and he's three years older, and he can't breathe either. So my mom goes, come on. He's just a, just a man. He, he's just a, one of the bowlers. He, and so my mom had no bashful in her. We go over, and she introduces us. She goes, I'm, you know, Beth Geismar. Here's my boys, Tom and Bob. And, and they just want to say hello to you. And and he could not have been more congenial. We visited for several minutes. And it was my first introduction. And, and you know, you only get one first impression, Lenny. And it was just out of this world. So now, so now let me fast forward. 25 years, I'm doing the TV show with Lou. And we're interviewing Dick Weber. You know, I'm now I'm now running the gamut. You get you get the picture. He's sure. my hero. Now I'm interviewing him. Okay, so now the key to the interview was Dick Weber 
you know, we were talking about his amazing longevity. At that particular point, he had been a superstar for 35 years. And he said the, the reason that he was so good for so long is that his, his idol as a kid growing up was Ned Day, the fabulous Ned Day out of Milwaukee, who won many, many major titles. But he said Ned Day made a huge mistake. He wouldn't change with the times. And, and Dick said, as a, as a youngster growing up, I will never do that. I will change with the times. I will pay attention to new equipment and new things that are happening in bowling. And that struck me because not everybody will release their body and heart and soul to do that. Carmen Salvino being the only other one that I'm going to point out was, was in that category for sure. So, um, so now, you know, we, when you talk about the greatest bowler of all time and, and, you know, it's, it's an arbitrary question, Lenny, you know, you could say it's, it's Earl Anthony and I could say it's Mark Roth and somebody could say, it's it's the new kid Benedetti. I think I got his name right. But you know, the thing that that gets me about Dick is the longevity. Six decades in six different decades, he won at least one championship in the PBA. Yeah. Now that's not going to be broken. And then the other thing that I point out to myself is if I needed one ball rolled by one bowler to get one strike, you can take anybody you want. I'm taking Richard Anthony Weber. <laughs> it's not a bad choice. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so now I want to even fast forward quickly and tell you, I made a deal for my show for AMF to be the title sponsor. So this, this is another side of Dick Weber. So now Doug Stannard, who's the CEO, wants Dick Weber to be the host of the show. Well, that's fine. So now I am preparing to do a whole year's worth of shoots for AMF in their facility in Mechanicsville, Virginia. And I've got everything ready and I, I get all of the intros and outros for Dick, everything to do it. And I send it to him. We have a great conversation and I send it to him a month in advance and we get to Mechanicsville and wouldn't, you know, he didn't do any homework, nothing. <laughs> so, now, Oh my goodness. So I've had this happen before with other hosts, but now Dick had just been given a lifetime contract by by Doug Stannard, the CEO, uh, with uh, with AMF, which of course he so generously deserved, and and so now I'm seeing another side of my hero, Dick Weber, because he's not doing this. It's not it's not working out, Lenny. Okay. So I did <laughs> so I did the best I could, put all the shows together, and this is the way the story is told to me. Doug Stannard, we're, we're on the air in, in Richmond, and Doug Stannard and his wife are watching the show, and, and she doesn't know a bowling ball from a tennis racket. Yeah. She goes, 
who is this guy who's the host of the show? He's he's terrible. <laughs> and oh my gosh. And Doug Standard said, Well, no, he's Dick Weber, the greatest bowler of all time. We we just signed him to a lifetime contract. And she, apparently the story goes, she said, Well, get him off the show. He's horrible. And I guess somebody, maybe Dale Nimala or somebody convinced him to to not do that because I would have had to redo all the shows and it would have been a nightmare. But it was it was the other side of Dick and he was so unhappy with himself and I felt so bad for him because he didn't do the homework. And being on the air, Len, as as I know you know this, not everybody can pull it off. It's exactly. not that easy. That's right. It's not. They you know, the people, Chris Schenkel and, and Nelson Burton, people like that, and Billy Whalu that we saw for years. I mean, they they were naturals. Not everybody can pull it off. So, th- I mean, that was just a funny a funny story. But, Dick, anything to promote bowling, Lenny, he was willing to do it at whatever expense it might have taken, even out of him, you know, do, being on Letterman rolling bowling balls at turkeys and bowling balls at eggs and, you know, whatever, if you remember those shows. Oh, yeah. And then bowling, you know, AMF set a bowling lane in on a 707. You know, whatever it was, he went to every corner of the earth to promote the game above and beyond whatever, you know, economic things may have come his way. It wasn't about that. He just absolutely loved the game and and another thought as i keep rolling along here carmen salvino told me that dick weber was his hero and dick weber dick weber um was like a brother to carmen and he said and he said um the thing that he regrets and that's carmen that he never got to bowl doubles with his best friend, Dick Weber, because they all represented different companies and they couldn't, you know, they couldn't merge together to pull it off, which was too bad. But I, I never saw Dick without a smile. And the, the other thing, Lenny, is he was a fierce competitor, oh, even yeah. though, and he wanted, you know, he's, he told us, I want to beat your brains out. Now, when it's done and we're finished, if I win, I'm going to take you into the lounge or the, the, you know, the shop there and we'll have our favorite beverage and I'm buying. He said, but if you be, if you beat me, then next time you buy. So it was camaraderie. It was caring about the game and, and whatever it took to help the game expand and grow. Richard Anthony Weber was willing to do it. So now I've talked a lot. It's your turn. <laughs> well, yeah, there was no question. Weber was the greatest of all time as far as, you know, not only a bowler, but being on the concourse, talking to amateur bowlers, whatnot. And uh, I don't want to upstage you with a, with a story or not, but I got one, too. I got to tell, tell it because it's a classic. You know, when I started this podcast um, after I went to work for Kegel, you know, I wasn't known as a sportscaster or bowling writer, anything like that, but it was an experiment. We wanted to pass the word about bowling on, and so I got a couple of coaches to be my first couple of guests. I was pretty comfortable with them, and 
Then I got a couple of proprietors that I knew well around the country to come on yep. and talk about bowling. And, and we had several shows uh, talking about bowling. And then I decided, well, I better get some named bowlers on here. And I thought about Dick Weber, and he was a good guy out in the lanes, and we always had a nice camaraderie between us. And I contacted him, and he said, sure, I'd be glad to do it. So we lined up a show for about five weeks away, and I talked about him on the show for five weeks to promote him. And now it was showtime, so I called him up. And you can look this up in the archives because we've saved okay. every show. And so I called him up. And he got on the phone. He goes, hello. And I go, Dick. He goes, yeah. I says, this is a phantom. I'm calling you to do our interview. And he says, who's this? And he, for five minutes, he made off. He didn't know who the hell I was. <laughs> put, put me on the spot. After I've been bragging about it for five weeks, he pretended he didn't know me. And, and, and I had to try to battle around that. But what a sense of humor he had. What a personality he had. And there's a hundred stories about Dick. <laughs> well, and, and the greatest um, attributes that we can give him are what you we both mentioned earlier. And the fact that, that the, the eulogies that came in when he passed, I mean, people in the bowling world, first of all, we were stunned that he passed so suddenly. Nobody knew anything was wrong. Right. And and secondly, I mean the the reverence that people spoke of, of about Dick is unparalleled, unparalleled. Don Carter, who you know they were fierce competitors and yep. and terrific terrific friends. Don was devastated. I you know I mean I'm talking people were crying, not for five minutes but for five hours. You know, it just, it, you know, somebody like that, you just don't see them having a mortal side. They were so wonderful. He won 10 of the first 23 events in the PBA. And he was, he and Chris Schenkel, I guess we could say, were the most responsible for the early successes of the PBA tour, not just on television, but, but also in, in, you know, attendance at events and things of that nature. I mean, he won the All-Star four times. And I guess, you know, if he had any regrets, and I didn't ask him this one, he never won the Masters, he never won the PBA National, and he never won Firestone. Yeah. So those are, you know, those are, I mean, they're, you got to, you know, it, trying as a reporter, I'm always trying to be Switzerland, you know, down the middle. <laughs> not easy, not easy with athletes that you got to know and, and love and so on. But you have to, you have to tell both sides of the story. He fought hard in every single event. Just wanted to win so badly. Those men, you know, I know they bowled for a living and making money and so on. But it was really because they loved the sport, Lenny. And you saw that. I know you saw that over a 25-year span on tour. I know you did. Exactly. You know, um, the Budweiser's, prior to the PBA starting, it was all team bowling, and, and they had match games all over the place. And yes. uh, they lost one of their players, Whitey Harris, and they needed a fifth bowler. So they heard about this young kid 
He was a mailman in Indianapolis. So they got on a train from St. Louis and went to see who this guy was, this kid. And they walked in the bowling alley and, and Dick was down there practicing. And, and Carter was pretty much the captain of the whole team. And uh, he looked down at this skinny kid, Dick Weber, that never nobody ever heard of before. And he saw him throw two shots. And he looked at the other guys in the team and he goes, there's my anchor, man. <laughs> and that was the start yep. of their relationship. But yeah, what a what a player, what a personality. And he is still missed. And, you know, we can talk about him forever. And I want to talk about him some more. But I got to yep. talk a little bit about my Phantom Junior Bowling Club here for a minute. Then, then we'll come back to you and have one more story, okay? So hang in there while I talk about our kids. Uh, they're our future. And, and we started this Phantom uh, Radio Junior Bowlers Club in March 15th. And it's a free deal. Any kid under 18 that bowls become a member. As I said, it's free. All they got to do is sign up. If they sign up, they get a prize. If they send me a note, I'm listening to your show. Your show stinks. Your show's great. I'll send them a prize. We want to bring them up and let people know all about the juniors. Today's juniors are not like we were. You know, a Saturday morning, we go in there, screw around and throw balls and go back and play the pinball machine and whatnot. These kids today are serious. I mean, some of these kids are unbelievable. I've had three of them on the show now. They're all great bowlers. They they got the whole thing down pat, uh, follow through, knee bend, the whole nine yards. And they're serious about their game. And they always tell me, we want the lanes to be tough. They don't want them easy. They want them tough. They want to make shots. So this new generation of kids, uh, I'm so impressed with them. And we've gone full force into it. We've got three other guys that are involved with me. We're all volunteers. We all have another job. Uh, we want to expose these kids to hopefully someday some millionaire will walk along and say, holy mackerel, you know, look at these kids. Let's do something for them. And uh, I know the kids can't accept money, but they can put it in their account, uh, smart accounts with the USBC, and then use it for college down the road. So we're always looking for somebody to help us out. Uh, as I said, it's free for the kids. We got 92 members already in, within three months. We really haven't done a whole lot of advertising except on Facebook. But anyway, uh, that's just a little synopsis about our kids because they're our future. All right, Parge, you got one more story. We got about five minutes left. Oh, cool. Well, you mentioned team bowling, and that was dominant, as you mentioned, Lenny, in the 1950s. And the greatness, you know, you mentioned Don Carter watching him roll a couple of balls saying he's my anchor man on that fabulous Budweiser team in 1958 when they set the record. Uh, Don Carter was leadoff. Um, Ray Bluth was second. Pat Patterson was the third bowler. Tom Hennessy was number four. And Dick was the anchor. So what does that show you that if you needed one ball to win one game, it was Dick Weber. And yeah. I don't think that never changed. And so, you know, you can, we can go and say, 
this bowler was better, that bowler he won more tournaments and whatever. But if you needed one ball, you were counting on Richard. And and you know, I I guess that's that would be like the ultimate respect because Don Carter at that particular point was the world's greatest bowler. There's no doubt in the from 53 to 62, it was Carter. And then I would say probably from 59 to 66, 67, I'm going Weber. And then your guy, you know, Hardwick was in there. And I mean, we've got a whole bunch of other guys that came up. But the young players on the PBA tour knew the respect that they owed Dick Weber. And, and they gave it to him. They did. And I know you saw that as well. And, you know, the Don Johnsons and, and Dave Davises and all those guys that came up when the PBA was just getting, you know, getting to be a little kind of a thing, really popular Saturday afternoon, 15 million people watching. And, and then, you know, the thing just took off. But he was there from the beginning and he was there all the way through all the until he was a senior player and he and he won in six decades. I don't even know what else to say, Lenny. Yeah. I kind of want to end it on that almost because I don't know where else to go with this other than to keep talking about, you know, the love that he had. And when I think of Dick, you just think of that smile and that incredible ball release and, and the way he the flair that he played the game with. For sure. You know, uh, I got a couple of things I'm going to ask you to see how much in-depth you know about Dick, because I had him on the show about five times. He was just yep. a wonder, wonderful guy. And, and, and do you know what the number one nickname that Don Carter had for Dick Weber? No, I, I don't. Webb? No, he called him Golden Arm. Oh, man. He yeah, Golden he... Arm. He saw that arm swing, and he named him that. And they had an unbelievable uh, friendship for years and years. And you're right. It, it was devastating to Don when, when Dick passed away. But devastating. When, they used to tease each other a lot. And, and he would also call Dick Hector. Did you know that? Hector. No. Yeah. And everybody wanted to know why he called him Hector. And then later on, they'd get in a bar and people would say, how come you called him Hector? Nice game, Hector. Nice to do this, blah, blah. And he said, "Well, all those four fives off the four five sevens off the wall, he was known to me as Hector, the garbage collector." <laughs> it was a loving, was a, a loving tribute that, to Dick. <laughs> that was a shot that Dick could do, and Don really didn't do so well. No, nobody could do the four five seven off the wall like like Weber did. A last point, and it, it it's something that I'm patting myself on the back a couple of years after all of that with Dick and, and working with him, I wanted to do an interview with Pete Weber. And Pete said to me, said, you know, I don't do interviews, but I'm going to do an interview with you because my dad spoke so highly of you. He thought you were just a terrific fellow and that you did the best you could to work with him. And that just made me feel it it made me feel good and I'm glad I'm getting the chance to mention it on the air. Well, yeah, that is awesome. Um, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I was very, very, very close to Dick and I saw his son Pete bowl when he was eight years old and you just knew right then he was going to be a superstar. 
And then once this show got on the road, uh, I've tried to get Pete on here four or five times. He never did show up. And so, as, as you said, yeah. it's hard to get him to, to you know, to, to be a, a guest on a show. And so it he wasn't just. Yeah, he said, I don't do interviews, but I'm going to do yours. And that it made me feel good. By the same token, it made me feel a little bad because, you know, I I wasn't the only one that should have had an interview with Pete Weber. My goodness. Well, he was hard to get. I'll tell you that. He so. was. All right, Pards. Well, it looks like the old clock in the wall tells us we're out of time. And this is one of the main reasons why I say it's the fastest show in all of sports because the time just flies. And we have 25 minutes, basically, uh, to get everything done. But we're going to do this again. I, I love your voice. I love your memories. I love your stories. I just love talking to you again like the old days. Uh, like the bowlers say, the camaraderie is what made the tour what it is. But I um, appreciate all that you do and coming to us and giving us the stories and, and all, everything. I, I do appreciate all that. And as usual, I enjoy talking with you and I want to thank you again for taking the time to be here, even though you're in the hospital ward right now, getting better. I can't wait for you well, to I'm get better. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm convalescing at home, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to say as much fun as you're having with me, I'm doubling it back to you. How's that, Lenny? It's that much more fun for me to, to be able to reminisce because these are all meaningful things. And as we do more stuff together, I'm going to get into some, even more meaningful things, I think. And we'll oh. have a lot of fun. And I can't wait. Whatever you need, man. We get, well, I can't wait. we got a whole lot to talk about. Um, I don't even want to start talking about it. We'll never get done with this show. But anyway, <laughs> Phantom fans, I want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling. The Christmans are wonderful. Also, Brad Edelman from the High Roller. And my good friend, Dave Kowalski who was just recently inducted into the Michigan Bowlers Coaches Hall of Fame. So for Phantom Radio, thank you very much, Bob. This is the Phantom. When you're down and troubled And you need some love and care And nothing Oh, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I